This is Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about Mi'kmaq people, politics, land, and water. Hello, I'm Glenn Wheeler. Welcome to episode 274, brought to you with listener support. Become a patron at patreon.com slash Matters. Newfoundland and Labrador, one province, two realities, especially for Indigenous people. On the island, we have two First Nations who have had chiefs who act like small M. Mi'kmaq and big L. Liberals, so cozy with Premier Angel Fury. In Labrador, it's a different story. Both the Inuit in Nonatsiavut and the Inu Nation have quit the province's Indigenous roundtable. The immediate issue is the inclusion of Nunatugavut, whose indigeneity they challenge. But the grievances run deep, no more so than in the case of the Inu. Five decades ago, Premier Joey Smallwood flooded their traditional lands, including their burial grounds, to build the Churchill Falls Hydro Development without any consultation whatsoever. In part, to get redress for that wrong, the Innu made a deal with the province on the Muskrat Falls project. They would get a portion of the profits. But the current Liberal Premier, Andrew Fury, went behind their backs and cut a deal with the feds that will rob the Innu nation of $1 billion over the next decades. Is that reconciliation? No, says our guest this week. It's more like racism, once again, the province's politicians prioritizing their own electoral benefit and treating the Inu as expendable second-class citizens. Peter Panashaway, former Grand Chief and Cabinet Minister in the government of Stephen Harper, is now Chief Negotiator for the Inu. Peter Panashaway, our guest this week on Mi'kmaq Matters. Okay, Peter, so let's uh, let's start uh, back in 1967, uh, a long time ago. You were... I guess you were about three years old at that time. I would have been, yeah. And uh, that's when construction began on Churchill Falls. And then a few years after that, I guess in the 1970s, they flooded <clears throat> all this land in in your traditional Innu territory. Mm-hmm. Um, do, you, do you remember, do you have any recollection of that yourself? I don't remember the recollection, but, but what I do remember is that the... Uh, the the change of river flow the river that's you know right next to me uh had a lot more water and had a lot more force so when we used to cross the uh, the river because the hudson bay was on the other side and uh and we would canoe over um in the winter we would uh, walk over on ice and um and uh, eventually we did uh, there was a cable car that went back and forth but I remember, you know, um, going up the up the lake on that on this river here. That was like very very strong rapids. And there's another rapids above the uh, what's known as Little Lake going into Grand Lake, and that was also very very powerful rapids. And um, so that was when all the water was flowing through there from uh, from uh, Meshikamau, which is what is now known as the Smallwood Reservoir. And um, and of course they 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 diverted that river and, and uh, put a dam 
um, on the uh, Michigan Mount, which mm. changed which changed the flow of rivers or the force of the river. So there isn't as much water flowing in. So the, there's a reduction in the uh, in the rapids. And mm. uh, it used to be white rapids, but now it's uh, uh, there isn't that much uh, of a of a of a rough waters or, or white waters. And the the shocking thing, I guess, <clears throat> for us now looking back, is that this this was done without almost any any consultation with the Inu people. Um, they, I guess, they kind of like the Europeans said. Did they? They thought that they said, "Well, there's no one, there's no one living on this uh, in this area, so we can just flood it, uh, no problem." Um, and if we fast forward to September 2008, that's when the New Dawn Agreement was uh, was signed. Jesh uh, Pitabin, I guess, as you as you say, uh, yeah, in in you know, uh, and I see Peter. Your name is on here on this agreement. At the time, you were Deputy Grand Chief of the Inu Nation, mm-hmm. and uh, so we have the New Dawn Agreement. And I guess that was three. That was three agreements in one. There was redress on Churchill Falls. Uh, there was dealing. There's an impact uh, benefit agreement for Muskrat Falls, and then uh, some movement on your on your land claim. Uh, but looking back um, now. Uh, I guess it's fair to say that the progress on those three items has been disappointing. Yeah. Is that a fair assessment? That would be a fair assessment. So I'll go back and just start from the beginning. So Church of Falls was developed in the, in the late 60s and the 70s. And the land obviously was never uh, was never addressed with the, uh, with the Inu, who were the users of the land, who were the rightful owners. And uh, massive amounts of lands were flooded that uh, that were used by the Inu. An area and so the size of PEI. Uh, Absolutely, uh, yeah. And there's a massive, uh, you know, uh, graveyards and uh, historical sites and uh, um, you know memories of the of the historical memories of the Inu flooded um, in the uh, in that uh, in that uh, uh, reservoir. And so that was never, um, you know, the government never apologized, never addressed that, that issue. They they never acknowledged that issue. They've always believed that the land belonged to the crown, and they were making a a a decision as government for the benefit of the uh, of the of the province. So fast forward to two thousand eight, we had a phone call from uh, from the premier at the time, and that was uh, Danny Williams. And he was looking to develop uh, Muskrat Falls and uh, Gull Island. And, um, and of course, uh, he knew that we would have to consent to the project because uh, he understood that, uh, that the, um, you know, at, at, at this day and age, the project would never proceed without the approval of the indigenous group uh, in, in the area. And so he understood that. And uh, so he called us and, uh, and said, look, you know, we'd like to develop a, a, a Lower Churchill, and uh, we would like to uh, sit down with you and negotiate the, the terms and conditions. And so we said, what we said was, look, you know, if you're looking to develop Lower Churchill, there's three things that we need to address. One, we need an impact benefit agreement on the project. And two, we need to resolve all of the out, outstanding provincial issues uh 
on the on the provincial government side and number three we need a redress agreement on the uh, on the church of falls project and so he went away for a week or two and uh, and, and called us back and said he's prepared to deal with those three issues and so we uh, we all uh, agreed to get together in st john's in september of uh, 2008 and uh, and spent uh, all of our time until we uh, could conclude an agreement. So, so we spent uh, seven days straight negotiating the terms and conditions on these three parts. Mm. So we were able to negotiate an impact benefit agreement on the Lower Churchill, and that was five uh, percent. Uh, terms was five percent of the uh, of the profits would be going to Indonation. We would get training, we would get benefits, we would get business opportunities during construction. And uh, during the uh, the first 10 years during the construction, we would get uh, uh, $5 million. And thereafter, we would get uh, 5%. But if the 5% didn't amount to more than uh, $5 million, then that would become a loan until such time the, the, the project was able to generate a profit. And so that was fine, and we all understood that it would take maybe five years to, you know, to generate a profit uh, uh, from the project once the project was up and running. There was never any uh, thought or uh, or consideration of overexpenditure and what impacts that would have. So that was the IBA. So and, and let's and let's and let's talk about the IBA for a little bit because that's uh, and that's really relevant now because. Um, so uh, a couple of years ago, people might remember that Andrew Fury uh, sat down with uh, Justin Trudeau and the and the feds and they negotiated yeah. the rate mitigation deal, which Absolutely. people on the island were very happy to get because their light bills uh, wouldn't go as high as uh, they, they would without it. But even though you had this impact benefit agreement, which is very common among First Nations in dealing with uh, resource projects. It's, it's a deal. It's a contract. It's signed yeah, on the yeah. dotted line. It's a legal obligation. So without consulting you, Andrew Fury sits down with the feds and negotiates this rate mitigation deal that changes the terms affecting you under the impact benefit agreement in which you would get a uh, billion dollars less over time as a result of this deal. And 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 you guys went to court. Uh, the Indonesian went to court, and then you withdrew your injunction. But you're still. I understand from what you're saying um, lately that this is still an outstanding issue. You haven't come to terms on uh, the impact um, for you from this uh, rate mitigation deal. So where where is that? Are you are you talking to the to the province? Uh, are you having meetings or where, where does it stand? You, you said you're just spinning your wheels and not much is happening. Yes. When we, um, when we um, put a pause on the court process, there was an agreement between the, the grand chief and, uh, and, uh, and the premier that we would sit down and resolve the, uh, out, the outstanding issues to deal with the outstanding issues um, outside of court and with the help of a, a mediator. Well, that's so uh, well over two years ago now. And um, we're still haven't had a, a meeting with the, the mediator. Now I'll say that uh, the, the meeting was called 
like two days before the Indonesian election uh, in August. So that wasn't going to work. And uh, that's after oh, that's after um, waiting for the uh, you know the mediator and everyone to be organized for two years. So we still have not had a meeting since the election, and we're still waiting for the uh, for the uh, for the people to you know to be to, you know the, the people to to be organized and 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 to begin the the uh, discussions. Mm. So yes, it is still outstanding, and uh, and yes, we are going to lose about uh, one billion dollars over fifty years with, within the contract that we had signed with the province. Mm-hmm. And what they did when within the when they started negotiating with the with the uh, with the uh, uh, when they sat down with the, the federal government, what they did was they changed the terms of the contract, um, <clears throat> moving the uh, the contractor over to another uh, another corporation, and essentially leaving the Muskrat Falls Corporation, which is the the, uh, the contract that we have with very little revenue over the period of, you know, 50 years. Mm. And that's why, you know, the, the they structure it so that the the, the, the Muskrat Falls Corporation would get very little revenue over that 50 years. So in, in effect, that, the, the people, the Inu people are subsidizing um, the late bills uh, in the province of Newfoundland and Labrador by, by not getting your billion dollars. Absolutely. Our billion dollars ended up on the... Uh, on the coffers of the rate mitigation uh, rate payers on on the island, mm. and uh, along with the money from the from the federal government, because the federal government gave the uh, their oil revenues from the offshore to the to the uh, to the province to, to offset those costs. So it's gone down from what is it, twenty four cents a kilowatt per per house down to fifteen cents a kilowatt. Mm, that's and a big, so that's a big reduction. That's a big reduction. Plus, so they're using our money and the federal money to to accommodate the uh, the ratepayers in on the island. And so, so, we're, so we're, once so once again, uh, done without consultation w- with you, and and bring it to the current day. We have Andrew Fury and Francois Legault, the Premier of of Quebec, talking about Gull Island. And once again, <clears throat> they were having their meetings. The Premier of Quebec was in Saint John's, and they've been going back and forth. But still. You guys, the Inu, the Inu nation, still on the outside, getting the news like the rest of us from the media and not being at the table. So, and, and you've said, Peter, that uh, you know, you know, if they if the if they proceed like they did in the past without consultation, it won't fly, and also that you're not going to agree to this project without adequate uh, terms. So, and and how do you think it should be happening? Do you think you should be you as the uh, Inu Nation should be at the table with uh, Fury and Legault. How do you think those things would would work if they were done properly? Well, we need to resolve the um, the uh, the Muskrat Falls Impact Benefit Agreement on a, and uh, first and for, uh, foremost before anything happens. And uh, once we resolve that issue, then we can talk about the other parts of the uh, of the um, of the of the future of the project. But from an Indonesian point of view, nothing is going to happen on Gall Island unless Muskrat Falls is uh, settled and resolved to the satisfaction of Indonesia. Because we are losing $1 billion over 50 years, and that's a lot of money. And we made a commitment, we signed a contract, 
We told the community what the uh, value of the contract was worth. And now we look like, uh, you know, that we either lied to them or we can't hold the government, uh, mm -hmm. to, you, right. know, to, you know, to the contract. And so, and there's other contracts that we're trying, we're in the process of, uh, of uh, negotiating or, or, or signing, such as the land claim self-governance. People are going to ask us the question, like, why would we trust the government now when they did when we couldn't trust them on Muskrat Falls, and that was a smaller project. So there's all these uh, questions that are that are being asked, and will be raised when uh, you know when we complete the uh, uh, the uh, the you know the land claim self governance process. And meanwhile, you still have that litigation against Hydro Quebec, and of course Francois Legault, the premier, kind of washes his hands of that. He says, "Well, that's Hydro Quebec." Um, but uh, that's litigation that's been before the court uh, for a few years now. Do you also insist on that being resolved before there's any deal on uh, Gull Island? Absolutely, because that, that's still outstanding. What we did was what when we negotiated the redress agreement on the Church of Falls, uh, which which was the um, because Newfoundland has a small percentage of the project, and that's what we negotiated with uh, um, the terms and conditions of that uh, of that revenue. Uh, as a as part of the redress, and so it's 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 done in two sections, one from uh, 2008 up until uh, 2041 when the project uh, um, changes the uh, changes contract changes the agreement, because the uh, the 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 power then reverts back down to Newfoundland, so we negotiated that portion, and we get us we get a small revenue of uh, two million dollars every year indexed. Up until 2041, and which is a very small revenue, you know, in comparison to the size of the project. And if you look at what uh, what Quebec gets from the project from Churchill Falls, they're getting over a billion dollars every year. Mm -hmm. And so Newfoundland gets a small portion. So Newfoundland, you know, shared with us uh, their 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 portion, and we're getting a uh, two uh, uh, percent. And then the R three percent in the redress agreement kicks in post 2041. But that's only the Newfoundland portion. And so what we've said is that, you know, hold on now. Quebec is a beneficiary to this project. They were financing the project. They're the, the, um, the, they're, they're the beneficiaries that, um, uh, that most benefit from the project. And therefore, they should be paying compensation as well. And so we've asked the court to, uh, to adjudicate our position. And, uh, and, uh, and we haven't gone to... Uh, um, we haven't had a hearing yet, mm. but uh, when that time, you, know, uh, you know, obviously we understand these things takes time, but it's going to be in a very important case. Mm. And so that's also has to be addressed. Mm. So it's um, you uh, as the chief negotiator for negotiator for the Inno Nation, uh, Peter, you are, you have a very challenging uh, job there. And I think you were, you were venting your frustration when you told the media uh, you you said it's just so revolting when I hear them referring to the province and the feds talking about reconciliation and having to do the right thing for indigenous peoples in this province. When they talk about beothic, about my, this, I can't sit in that room and talk about these things because I know they're not being serious. Mm. And about the, and about the, you know, specifically, you said, are we losing $1 billion because of the realities of the circumstances, or are we losing $1 billion because of who we are? And what I hear from you 
there, Peter, is that you think the Innu are being treated as uh, second-class citizens in the province, in Canada. And, you know, I guess if we tell it like it is, it's, uh, you know, it's a kind of uh, racism, isn't it, uh, the, the way that you're, you're being treated on in these matters? Yeah. Well, there's nothing else, there's nothing else to call it. You know, the, we have a contract with the province, and the province uh, overspends on the, uh, on the project. And where do they take the money from? Their indigenous partners. Because, you know, the indigenous partners don't really determine the, uh, the uh, you know, who's going to be in for government because we're smaller, we're smaller uh, uh, players when it comes to voting. And so we're not, uh, we're not considered a part of the equation. And so the, the biggest fear that government has is the ratepayers rate on the island because they determine who's going to be the government. Mm. So we were expendable and the island portion of the population was not. And so we lost a billion dollars over 30 years and they gave it to the ratepayers on the island along with, with federal uh, uh, funds to bring down the rate from 24 cents a kilowatt down to uh, 15 cents. They're more concerned about the seats on the island, 10 times as Absolutely, yeah. Yes. So it's a real slap in the face and they know it. And, uh, you know, when you think about the, the history of the Inu and the history of governments, the Inu have always been expendable and things haven't really changed. The only thing that we have now is that uh, we can communicate for ourselves. We can explain to the world what's going on. And we have access to the uh, to media forms such as this and uh, to, uh, to, you know, to tell our side of the story. That's the difference. And... And the and the biggest the biggest challenge that government have these days when it comes to indigenous peoples is that investors are asking questions now. They're not they're not going to violate the human rights of the indigenous groups and in this case the Eno people by financing these mega projects and uh, and and displacing the the rights of the uh, of the indigenous groups or the Eno people in this case. And Investors so, want certainty, so they, they don't want to be in some deal that the Supreme Court of Canada is going to change the terms of uh, five years from now. Absolutely. Or, you know, like, the, as I said, the investors are, 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 are concerned. I mean, I think there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's awakening, you know, happening uh, around the world. And, and, and Canada and the United States are no different. People are asking the right questions. And people are not interested in having their money uh, used to um, to violate the human rights of the of the indigenous peoples, and so that's the concern that government have, and that's why they want to resolve the uh, indigenous question sooner rather than uh, you know through you know while the projects are 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 are, are undertaking hmm. because it's much more difficult, and so but you know so there's a. It, it's a challenge for them, but uh, but you know if, the way they look at it is that they're going to be elected in four years, and if they can get past the four years, that's that's the most important thing for them. Yes. And in this case, we were we were the dispensable. Yes. So, Peter, let let me ask about your political journey. You've been a grand chief of the Inno Nation. Um, you're you're still involved. You've been uh, you're a cabinet minister in the. Um, in the uh, the Harper government, um, mm-hmm. 
and um, which was a difficult time uh, with Indigenous relations in Canada. That's when we had "I'll No More" kind of kind of rose up. But you're still a you're still a conservative, uh, and um, you were happy that Pierre Polyevre won the leadership. And I wonder if if your being from if your experiences made you a conservative. I noticed that also Leela Evans from uh, the MHA for Torrigat Mountain. She started out as a as a as a as a PC and went to the NDP, but she had nothing to do with the Liberals. So I wonder if over the years, uh, the years going back to Joey Smallwood and everything that's unfolded, if that's shaped your your political journey and where you find your political home. Mm. Um, that's a good question. I mean, to me. I asked myself the question, has there been a change between, you know, the, the, the conservative policies, the liberal policies, and in future NDP policies? Would they, you know, are, is there a difference? Um, I don't think we've done very well uh, with the current, you know, um, uh, governments. Um, the, it's the liberal government that uh, totally, you know, disregarded our contract with the uh, with the uh, with the nalcor and, and the province of newfoundland and totally changed the agreements and that was sponsored with federal money and and it's the liberal government that's doing that to us so um you know it's a um it's a question of uh, um it's difficult i think uh, when they teal, when when um, not sure if there's much change when it comes to indigenous when indigenous affairs between the whoever's in charge, because they're you know the the challenge is always the the having to address the you know the bigger issues from the from the from the government point of view, and so that's why I think it's uh, um, but I think you know I'd rather have a government that tells me. The, re- the truth, then have a government that leads me, you know, around the truth and into the gutter, mm. and uh, and I think it depends on the on the on the on the on the human nature of, of people in charge, and that's why I think, uh, you know, for, you know, I think Pierre Pierre is a is a is a straight shooter. He'll tell you what's what's happening, and uh, and um, and um, you know won't. Uh, won't uh, lead you down the garden path. I think you've had nowhere. you've had uh, Pierre Poliev as a, as a guest in Labrador. I think he's been up uh, he's been up your way. Have you had any discussions with him about your extending issues? I mean, we've had we've had discussions, and those discussions are private. And so you can imagine the uh, you know how those conversations go. So, yes. I mean, we'll have more we'll have more discussions on these issues. We were speaking with Peter Panashaway. Chief Negotiator for the Inu Nation. And that's it for the program. The Mi'kmaq Matters team is producer Allison Baker, researcher Hilary McGinnis, and correspondent Greg James. This is Glenn Wheeler saying, Emson Okamata.